Folks, good morning. Uh, this is not a Miyagi mornings because it's going to be a little bit longer. It's kind of a hybrid. It's a video in my backyard during my downtime, and it will go out. I'm going to call it a gorilla podcast. So I don't. I think I've done that before, but we'll start a new tradition today, and we'll we'll number it GP01 or something like that in the feed. Um, gorilla podcast in that it won't be as long as a typical survival podcast episode. It will also be a full video on YouTube and Odyssey. And Everything's better on Odyssey, just saying. You know, YouTube censors content, Odyssey doesn't, and then gives you the ability to trade cryptocurrency, so that's that's a good thing. And uh, it'll just be probably 20, 25 minutes today. I'm gonna, when I get into the 25-minute range, wherever I'm at, I'm at, and I'll uh, wrap up there. So it won't be your typical hour to hour and a half long survival podcast, nor will it be your short 7 to 10-minute Miyagi morning. It's a hybrid. Um, I am in kind of my downtime mode now and uh i started thinking about all of the the angst and the concern and the fear and the problems and and looking and people looking at things like the great reset uh capital control social control societal controls and as i've taught for years the only thing i can think of is your solutions in your own backyard if you really want to break it down to the way to view this thing, this entire modern age, and this, this situation that we find ourselves in as, as people, you can either focus on the world being built for you, or you can focus on the world that you want to build for yourself. And I guess it can come up to that kind of high level, you know, you are what you see or whatever, or, you know, that we build our own worlds or whatever, you know, be the example. Or, but I don't really mean it like that. I mean it in a concrete, material way. My place that I live in here is built for me. It's built for me. It's built for my family. It's built for my wife. It's built for my animals. It's built for my dog, who was just here with us at the beginning of this. If you're on the podcast, you didn't get to see Charlie Daniels. But I'm sitting here right now talking to you, enjoying some good coffee. I've got a 2,000-gallon pond behind me that provides me fish and and irrigation for aquaponics and, and things like that. Just in front of me, off camera, you can't see it, but there's, uh, there's a couple uh, Welsh harlequin ducks, there's a Saxony, there's a little uh, buff runner duck, a couple other ducks, and here comes the uh, rowans, the big giant fat mallards. They're all on their way over here now, because their pools are right here, and they're hanging out with me. My little chickens are right over there. Right before I started this uh, <clears throat> recording, I damn near had a heart attack, because one of the runners was hiding behind my hot tub, and when I came around, it's like deep leaves in there, it freaked her out and she went nuts and it sounded like a damn as she went flying through those leaves it sounded like a damn timber rattlesnake which has no business being out this time of year uh but put my heart in my throat a little bit but i managed not to spill my coffee like these little miracles that are on my property on a daily basis and it doesn't mean there's never any problems i've shared plenty of times when you know a system crashes or a predator kills your animals or something like that stuff happens but that's life life can never just be all good, or it would get to where good is boring, and when good is boring, we become miserable and we become depressed. Challenge is part of what makes life worth living, guys. It really is. But 
when I look at everything that's being done in society today, I can really tell you that it's nothing new. It's just new technologies, new techniques, and new collectivism being brought to the same end game, which is to control people. And as, as much as I despise the psychopaths that want to control you, I, I do have to acknowledge what they think they're doing. They think they're protecting us from ourselves. And for some people at this point, they've dumbed them down sufficiently that they probably are protecting them from themselves. I, I think the majority of people in the modern world today couldn't go two weeks without going to the grocery store without ending up starving or at least really, really hungry and miserable. Just two weeks. I mean, we already saw that this year back in March and April when this whole lockdown nonsense started, didn't we? Didn't we see people that were at completely at the end of their rope within a week or two? Like, people, like you know, I lost my job, and now I, I have no money in a week. And, and I don't want to put anybody down, but, I mean, like, unless you just started out in life, that shouldn't be a thing. Like, the idea that whatever you make, some portion of it goes into reserve in some sort of prep, even if it's just straight money, like, that is, that is not anything new, right? That's not anything new to humanity. But that's what it comes down to, control. And then you just have to look, well, what are the things that they use to control you? And it's your survival needs. Right? I'm a prepper, but you don't have to be to understand this. It, it has always been the survival needs of humanity that have been most centralized and most controlled by authority in order to control humanity. Because doesn't that just make sense? I mean, just really pull back and think about it. If you want to control, like these ducks that are over here hanging out with me right now, do you know how I control them? I control them by what I feed them, when I feed them, how I feed them, and where I feed them. Now, they get plenty of their own forage on this land, but most of that's because of also what I did for them, right? I, I created this property in some ways to be a duck property, right? So even if, even if I didn't do that, there'd be some stuff for them, but there's more because of it. But their primary meal, their duck feed, right, their duck chow, I put it where I want them to go that day. I put their water, so they're, they're two of their primary needs are food and water. What's another primary need that we have in survival? Shelter, right? So their shelter, their condition to go to their shelter. I control their shelter. I control the lighting in their shelter, so I control the energy. That's another survival need, right? And I do this as a benevolent dictator over my ducks, right? I, I want to partner with my ducks on my property, but a duck is a duck and a human is a human. What we have is a society where they're treating you the way that I treat my ducks, probably not as benevolently, by the way. And there's strict penalties for anybody that doesn't conform. So if one of my ducks doesn't eat the duck chow because it's getting enough grasshoppers that day, fine. I kind of try to get them into the shelter because the shelter is also a form of security against predators. But if one of them really holds their breath and decides it wants to lay eggs over in the bushes, I don't go drag it back in. I let it be a duck. And if it wants to take a risk, I let it take a risk. This is basic land management, but it's also unfortunately become basic human management. So if you think about everything that we're concerned about them, whoever they may be, doing, it almost all involves centralization of a survival need. Centralization, like people that are really concerned about food shortages in the future. Why are you concerned about food shortages? I'm not saying you shouldn't be. I'm just asking you why you really are. Because of centralized food systems. I have no doubt that there's beef down the road from me. Less than a mile from here, there's a guy. In fact, he lives like one house over, and then his, his cattle he keeps down the road about a half mile, right, that has cattle, that will sell me cattle. He's never had a shortage of cattle in his life. When everybody was said meat was short, there was no shortage. The supply chain was disrupted, not the supply. And, 
And then people have been so conditioned to live on like corn and soy and wheat, which is not human food, by the way. So we've centralized that. So we do that because it's easy to store, it's easy to control, it's easy to get your arms around and tax and tariff and put duties on, it's easy to export, it's easy to import. That's why that's the primary food system of control. And then it provides all for the livestock because we feed the livestock grain instead of what livestock really wants to eat. Do you know what a cow wants to eat? I know this is crazy talk, but if this loud-ass car here get out of the way, right? Cows want to eat grass. Do you know what happens when a cow eats grass if you move the cow? Because the cow doesn't want to eat the grass to the ground, right? The cow wants to eat about a third of the, of the new growth or the third of the total growth. And so if the cow's left to itself, it'll eat about a third of the growth, it'll move, or we can move the cow, and then you know what happens? Grass grows back, thicker, richer, and more nutrient-rich than ever. And then the cow eats the grass again. So we don't have a problem with the food supply. There's no reason, like, I don't care if soybeans, van if, I mean, okay, to be fair, if soybeans and, 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 and these other grains vanish tomorrow, there'd be a lot of dead livestock really fast because we've set up to manage them using that methodology. But we could produce more beef, more pork, and more chicken right now than we ever have before using grazing leader follower systems if we wanted to. And they're not going to do that because that's not good for them, again, whoever they are to you. That doesn't central. You can't do that in a centralized system, right? You need CAFOs, right, confined animals operations. You need those to, to centralize beef distribution or poultry distribution. And you need grains to centralize growing systems and being able to harvest and move them elsewhere. See, if you want to feed the cow in a place where nothing grows for the cow, or you want to feed the cow stacked in arm to arm, where it never moves and it stands up to its elbows in its own shit, you have to grow the food and bring it to it. Well, you can't bring it grass really well. It's really not efficient. You know, hay is not the most efficient thing. We can use it in certain situations, but it's not going to work in a CAFO. So we have to have something like a grain that we can put a silo and store for a year or two or more to make this whole system work. How does this apply to you? You don't need that system. You don't need that system. You need your own guy down the road or across town or uh, three counties over or whatever it is to buy your beef from. Find one. They're not hard to find. And, he, and don't let perfect be the enemy of good. If you find a guy that he's, he's grass-feeding his cattle, but he's finishing them on grain for now, if that's the best you can find, that's better than what you're going to get at a store. It really is. It really is. It really is. If you can find an all-grass-fed operation, do that, please. But if you can't, you know, but we need to start building our backyards. And, and no matter how small your backyard is, you have options. Grow culinary and medicinal herbs. Almost everybody can do that. If you have any size piece of dirt at all, you can even do that on the right-facing patio in an apartment or something like that. Grow at least a small vegetable garden for your primary vegetables. Grow your greens, for God's sakes. I mean, that's the easiest thing and one of the most expensive things we buy. If you go into, go into a grocery store. Especially if you're pricing an organic product. And look at what the price of mixed greens is by the pound. It's more than beef. It's more than beef. I, trust me, it's more than beef. That doesn't have the calories and the nutrient density, but it's incredibly useful as human food. We are, we are humans that evolved off of this and this, and if those on the podcast, reaching out and grabbing stuff as we walk by and sticking it in our mouth and clubbing shit that moved and eating it. That's how we got here. 
on a on a on a piece of property that's one to three acres, you can literally produce almost everything you need, depending on how much you want to produce. Now, I don't produce, you know, even ninety percent or something like that of, of my needs. But I get again, I get meat from down the road. I get meat through a barter arrangement with a sponsor. I have almost no meat mill. Um, I did used to raise quail here. They're a fantastic, productive system. I'm going to be coming forward in 2021 on the podcast with how you build a system based on different livestock. How do you do it based on ducks? How do you do it based on chickens? How do you do it based on quail? How do you do it based on rabbits? Right there, with those systems, you can produce plenty of meat. And then behind me here, this big tank, how do you do it based on fish without even spending any money on the fish? How do you feed your fish? I have tanks over there. They grow minnows. I take the minnows from those tanks in a net, and I put them in this tank right here. And then the fish eat the minnows, and then the minnows make more minnows, and the minnows live on plankton. That doesn't mean I don't use any fish feed, but God, I mean, guys, I've got this massive tank. I've got one almost twice the capacity of it over there. I've got another system in the middle. I've got a 300-gallon system there. I've got a system in the aviary. I've got a little one out front for my wife that's more of a bird feeder. And I go through 100 pounds, maybe 150 pounds at maximum of fish feed a year, and you're talking about less than 20 bucks a bag for that feed. So you're talking about 60 bucks to produce all this fish because I'm doing so much naturally. Is that right for you? I don't know. What I do know is that you can look at that type of system, system thinking and start thinking more with like chapter 14 of the permaculture designer's manual. And then think, if I'm going to fit in that, which is something we'll talk about here at the end of this, this video... But it's basically a way that we create independent local autonomy economically, socially, um, for food, for health, for everything. And then say, well, if I'm going to do that, then I have to produce value. And the first value I have to do is produce it for myself. And if I'm producing value that I really value, probably other humans that have the same needs that I do, remember those six primary survival needs that they centralize in the world today, then I'll be able to provide value within that system, and therefore that system can actually work. Because what I've heard from a lot of people that have built up really strong like permaculture-oriented communities is no matter how much value they produce, they can't find anybody to exchange enough value with to make it sustainable. And that's because I think they're looking for other permaculture people. I don't give a damn if that guy down the road never takes on full-on grass production in his life. right? I can tell him, and we've already had the conversation, look, I know that you finish with grain. Um, I can find, because I don't ever want a whole beef, I only want a half beef at a time, I can find someone that will split a grass-finished one with me, and you can you can throw hay on for that sucker to eat it all you want toward the end there to make sure it gets up to weight and you get your return on it, and uh, and, and I'll still buy it from you. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. I don't. That's not hard. That's just one I don't put to the, to, to the, to, to the grain to finish. That's easy. And he might, and I told him I'll pay you more per pound on the hanging weight. Right? And, and he might find real quick, wait a minute, maybe this is a better way to do things. And he might, by creating that market, we, and we have to start thinking this way all across the board. If you don't have that or you're not ready to do that yet or you're not thinking you can do that, get some rabbits. It'll take a learning curve. You'll kill some. You'll screw some shit up. But you can grow almost all their food on your property for them. You can provide very little on rabbit pellets. That's your, that's your basic ration to your rabbit to make sure your rabbits do well and don't die. You'll find if you start growing them food, if you start doing fodder trees and giving them things like mulberry fodder, uh, if you start growing 
grass and using a bag mower to provide them a little bit of grass. Or even you can get one of them little old-fashioned spinny, uh, you know, those, what are they called? The manual lawnmowers, you know, with the two little cutting blades. Let certain patches of grass with clover mixed in and everything like that grow a little bit higher. Roll through there just a, a strip 10 foot long. Get a rake, boom, there's your rabbit feed for a week. You can make little, you can make your own hay that way. Little bitty hay bales. I mean, we, there's so much of this stuff that we can do. And I don't know how to do all of it, but you can figure out the part that works. I don't know that much about rabbits. What I know from rabbits, I know mostly from Nick Ferguson. But I know that one buck rabbit in two to three does can produce a ton of meat for a family every year. More than, you know, raising one meat goat a year can buy a long shot. I know that deer get killed left and right on the road, and the meat lays there and rots, and you can pick up a ton of red meat. It's illegal. I don't give a shit. What are they going to do, give you a ticket for picking up a deer? You know, I look at it this way. I've picked up so many deer over the years. If I ever actually see a game warden who actually cares enough to actually write me a ticket for picking up a dead deer off the road, and I pay the ticket, the price that I pay for all of that meat is going to come out to about a nickel a pound or less. So I don't care. There's strategic disobedience too, folks. And we need to be building our backyards based on those survival needs. I grow medicinal herbs and really high-quality produce for myself and my family because one of my primary needs isn't just food. It's also what? Health. I grow herbs that I can make salves with. I grow herbs that I can make teas with. I grow herbs that I can use on my animals if they're injured. I grow herbs that attract beneficial insects and predator insects, so everything else does better. And I do it with a consciousness. It's a conscious, what John Bush and his buddy, I can't think of his name right now, Derek Bros, call a conscious resistance. This isn't all just about having what I want. It's, it's awesome. I get to have what I want and resist at the same time. If you don't do it that way, you know what you are? You're a child holding your breath, and the person in charge doesn't really care because eventually you won't be able to hold your breath anymore. And when you resist doing things that are not human things, that are not that don't make logical sense, that don't bring joy and beauty and good things into your life, you're a child throwing a tantrum holding your breath. Now, maybe in this case, you're doing it against a tyrant that must be resisted, but you're not resisting strategically. I am done listening to people tell me, well, they won't let me, or they won't let you, or wait until they do, fill in the effing blank next. I'm done with that. I've been listening to that shit for at least two decades. And I've been doing uh, my podcast and my work now for almost 13 years. And I've heard the same bullshit excuses from people from day one. Oh, the government's going to shut this down. The government. And you know what? The people who went out and just freaking did it anyway we have benefited we have grown so much we have produced so much for ourselves we have made our lives so much better so much better by ignoring your excuses and not letting them limit us they're going to shut down your garden let them try let them try do you really have time to go shutting down some redneck duck farmer's garden when you got a whole world you're trying to control? You people that use this as an excuse for inaction are delusional. You can build everything that I have here and more. This is actually, this place I live, guys, that haven't seen my other videos and haven't watched me develop it over seven, eight years now, this is a terrible place to do this. The damn soil beneath my feet right now is about three inches deep, and then it's solid limestone rock. 
If I can do it here, nobody's got an excuse to not do it anywhere. And that's not braggery. That's just nature. Nature's just that badass. Eventually, you figure out what nature needs from you to give you abundance, and then you give nature as much of that as you want, and nature will hand you back so much abundance you don't know what to do with it all. Right now, I don't, I don't need to do anything else here as far as direct food production because we already can't eat what we produce. So now we're getting into diversity. What other herbs can I grow? What can I grow for my livestock? How can I put in systems that produce things for me that are incredibly nutritional or incredibly medicinal? When you start getting to that level with systems, you know what you're getting to where it gets fun. It's challenging you. What else can you do? It's making you use that damn mental computer that I talk about all the time. What have you done this month to make your life more regenerative? And more non-brittle. What have you done? And some of you have like a couple answers. Good! That means you're doing it right. If you don't actually have an answer to that, if you have an answer to that with, well, I would have, but, all you have are excuses and no one gives a flying crap about your excuses. We're moving into a world where there's going to be two types of people. And I hate saying this because I hate generalizing, but it's the truth. There's going to be people that 100% rely on the system, and they're literally going to have no autonomy left in their lives. If someone else or something else or some system controls how you eat, how you get your water, where your health care comes from, how much you pay for it, whether you're healthy or not in the first place, where you get your water from, how much water you're allowed to have, where you get your energy from, how much energy you're allowed to have, where your security comes from and how much security you get and what type of security you get and whether that security actually protects you or comes down on you. If someone else controls all that, what do you exactly control? And the answer is you don't control Jack Diddley squat that matters. You got nothing. And that's where the majority of people are already, but it will be completely and totally endgame on that shit within the next 10 years. That's the plan. They're open about it. And then there'll be the other group of people. People that just say, no. You can say, hey, we're going to do it to you anyway. Again, I've been listening to your bullshit for over two decades, so I'm done with it. We're going to do this and other things like it everywhere. We're going to create value. We're going to exchange value between our own groups. You want to shut, like with cryptocurrency being part of the barter process between these groups, you want to shut down centralized exchanges or make it where we really can't use them anymore the way we want to? We've all, That's done. You're, you're working on something from five years ago. There's already a better solution. It's called decentralized exchanges. You don't get any say in how that works. None. You can take down the website. We can use IPFS and we can still access all the services. We can still trade amongst ourselves. There is a way to resist all of this, but again, like I said earlier, unless it's a way that makes your life better and brings you joy, you probably shouldn't be doing it. But it also will come with challenges, like anything worth doing will. And it will come with being required to learn new things, to hear me say a word and go, I don't know what he's talking about. It's called Google, except don't use it. Use DuckDuckGo and use freaking the Brave browser and look the word up. Somebody will tell you what it means if you don't understand a word that I use. If you get a set of instructions on how to do something and part of it's not clear, look up another video by somebody that did it. Look up the words you don't understand. Fumble through it. Make mistakes. Who gives a shit? 
Making a mistake is part of being freaking human. It didn't work. Okay, why did it fail? Now you know something. Now fix that. Now go do that next thing. Without that mindset, you might as well just give up. You might as well just tattoo fan of the Great Reset on your ass and just let that be who and what you are for the rest of your life. You might as well just get down on your knee and submit. If you're, if you're going to be put off by having to learn something or being challenged or having failure, you are never going to be free anyway. You can take away all this stuff you're worried about right now, and you're still a slave. I was telling people that you are an active slave polishing your own change in 2008, and nothing has changed. Except some people said, you know what, he's right. Screw that shit. Took those chains and threw them on the ground and started building their own damn life. Is we're finished with this year, damn near. Is I'm trying to figure out what to do for y'all next week after Christmas. Tomorrow you're going to get the, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to get the Christmas special. And I'm gone for the rest of this week. Thursday and Friday, you can figure something out for yourself. And I'm trying to figure out what to do for y'all Monday through Friday next week. You know, whether it's rewinds or what, I don't know. But I wanted to come on and tell you that you can have everything the hell you want. You really can. And active, natural systems that produce are how you do that. And you need to expand what you think when you when you hear active, natural systems. Yes, it's easy to understand that this thing behind me here, this tank with the fish swimming around in it, and the filtration and the aeration and all the things that it does, is built on natural processes. Nitrite, 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 nitrate cycles. How fish live. Predator, prey, interactions, how phytoplankton and zooplankton. All that makes sense that it's natural. My ducks laying eggs, wandering around foraging. You know, defecating in little pools that get dumped on trees that grow and produce more for us and the ducks. That's easy to see as a natural system. You don't think cryptocurrency is a natural system? You don't think a system that human beings said, I don't like being controlled, so I'm going to create this new system that enables us to do barter and trade and store value that's not in their system, and then the only way that can work is real humans actually engage in commerce with it. You don't think that system's natural just because it uses technology? The pond behind me uses technology in the form of an electronic mechanical pump that moves water because the system is too small to do what it does as a still pond. It's still natural. We've just taken over part of the process. And we can actually fumble with it long enough to make it work without that pump, but the pump just makes it easier. That's the economy. There's places where we'll do business in their economy because it's just easier. But there are also places that we'll do business on our own terms, privately between individuals, because we have a right to. If you don't think that's part of permaculture, you don't understand Chapter 14. I, I'm going to finish up now because we're over the 25-minute limit that I set. But I'm going to tell you something I've learned over the years, being part of working with many great permaculture teachers. Most of them, when they do a PDC, a permaculture design course, when they get to Chapter 14, they just kind of get through it. They really aren't sure how to handle it. Bill Mollison put things out in that chapter that were great ideas that were not fully actionable at the time that they were originated as ideas. Creating systems, and you can look up diagrams on this, where an individual location would act as its own bank, have its own internal commerce, and then deal with others that it felt 
were in keeping with its values. Not necessarily, say, we're permaculturists, but hey, those people over there, they're not like bombing people. They're not like killing people. They're not like imprisoning people. If we're going to trade, and we can trade with either a group that's doing that or a group that's not doing that, and we need the thing, so we're going to have to trade outside for it, we'll trade with them first and only go to the global system second. Actually, a distant third in the way that all works out. How are you going to do that? They were doing it with little, their own little written-out lets, they called it, which are basically local currencies. It's not fungible back into other people's currencies. The minute you drop cryptocurrency into Chapter 14 of the Permaculture Design Manual, everything works. Almost like he knew, I'll just do this as best I can with the technology we have today, and someone will make the technology, because Bill Mollison was a badass. He was a visionary. And when you're a visionary, you're ahead of the technology that's available to do the things that you know need to happen. We now have that natural edge-based system of humans interacting is their own private banking systems. Some people think today is the worst time for liberty. But if you can liberate yourself from centralized economics, the rest of it is freaking cakewalk. With that, I'm wrapping up today. I hope this kicks you in the ass and gets you ready for 2021 because people keep asking me, is it going to be a good year or a bad year? And we'll tell you flat out. The answer to that question depends on one person and one person alone. You know who it is. <laughs>